Tanner. It's Joy Foster, founder of Tech Fixies, and I am delighted today to be joined by one of my very good friends, someone who I've gotten to know a lot over the years, and it was by a chance encounter at the Albright Club in London that we uh, became friends. Uh, Danusha uh, Melina Durbin saw my computer uh, with the big Tech Pixie logo on it at the restaurant and said, ooh, I really like your logo, and it was sparkly gold and black, so it was really fun to connect with someone that way who I'd never met. We ended up having lunch together and had just the greatest chat ever. So we've become friends since then. And she's um, she was our uh, headline speaker at our winter event a couple of years ago and just really blew people away with her tenacity and her drive and her ability to um, really rise above challenges and create a wonderful uh, company for herself and also an, an environment for her children. Uh, and so we're gonna talk to Danusha this morning about earning what you're worth because we've been on this uh, really important uh, journey of talking to different women who've made it and really understanding where uh, the, the way that they changed the way that they thought or the experiences that they had where they realized they weren't earning what they were worth and how they how they got that to change. So Danusha, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Uh, we I know you don't like to be defined by it, but I do think we always need to tell people um, because it is such a superwoman trait of yours. You are a mother of 10 and you have triplets uh, and you run a very successful business. So um, thank you for being here today. Thank you for uh, being available to us. Oh, well, what can I say after that, <laughs> that introduction, Joy? Come on. That was amazing. Thank you. It's, a, it's great to be here. Thank you. It's a great series that you've got going on with it, within your podcast. I love it. Well, it is a lot of fun, first of all, yeah. to get a hold of women who have made it uh, in the sense that they are financially independent. And you certainly are financially independent. You are raising uh, the 10 children that you have uh, as a single mother as well. Um, so one of the things that we're really, really focusing on is how do we get people to become uh, women in particular, financially dependent and independent, not dependent, not dependent. We've been dependent for too long, dependent on partners, dependent on the government. And we're trying to pull women off of that and start to say, no, you have amazing skills and talents that you can offer the world and you can be financially independent as a result. So tell us about the company that you set up and the work that you do. Uh, you have an award-winning podcast that's got followers and listeners all over the world. So tell us about that as well. Okay. So, um, I set up a leadership development company and we basically work at the executive level and a boardrooms level really and we equip leaders in fucked up times. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> you just did. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized, okay, so it's extraordinarily difficult times and we've been doing this for quite some time and um, you know, it's not me, I had, had a team of associates so it's, you know, um, it's a, a, a privilege to be working in boardrooms. It always has been, but particularly at this time in really challenging times where we're seeing flex coming in, which is amazing. So the workplace is changing, fundamentally changing. So I'm thoroughly excited about what we're doing, working with huge corporations that you would know at boardroom levels. So that's that's what we've been doing. Um, I have a list. I'm like, oh my goodness, who am I? <laughs> what, what do I need to say? Because <laughs> do you ever forget? Because I do. So um, <laughs> uh, obviously, as you just said, Joy, thanks for outing me. I have 10 children. Um, some have grown and flown and um, at least half, if not more than half, are still at home. Uh, I have them in university. I have two in different countries now, um, forging their young adult lives. And it's amazing. I'm very privileged to do that. So that's great. But it is a massive juggle between a very large uh, company and, and an impactful company and lots of lots of children and different agendas, I think. So finding my own way with my worth is obviously critical to my path as a, as a career woman and as a woman. You mentioned the show um, I set up two years ago, the School for Mothers podcast. It, uh, we, we have School for Mothers as a, as a movement and a community. And I had absolutely no experience of a podcast, no budget, no listeners. And we've grown it to uh, 
a million downloads in amazing which is which is really big yeah thank you and it and it's at least 79 countries i i don't sit looking at the countries that we add um i used to on a day i know you used to because you were like oh so and so's listening because we, we've got a we've got a private whatsapp conversation going on and she'd send me the little maps and look yeah. they're listening in this part i think it's so what i love about that and i hope people really understand you know you launched the podcast two years ago you've got a million downloads right and this is uh, this is from taking a chance, putting your voice out there, seeing how it sticks. And obviously it's stuck. A lot of what you had to say resonated. It still does. And you've got some incredible guests who have come on uh, and, you know, you've really, well, you've really nailed that. Um, but I think what's important is to, to know that you're doing all of this. And, and I, I, I think, you know, I, again, there's two worlds here. There's the company, the successful company you're running. There's the successful podcast that you're running. And then there's this successful family of 10 that you're running. It's almost like three different companies uh, in a way. Well, and Well, I ought to, I mean, I, I, I need to interrupt you because I, a year ago, I started another podcast. So I have two podcasts, School for Fathers as well. And because I really wanted to have a companion show talking with men about what being a man of father means. And that was little bit groundbreaking in the sense that I'm a woman most most um shows talking with men are hosted by men and so and they really are people were like why would you think they'll talk to you Danusha so you know a year on in and we're now really really beginning to um capture so many listeners that I love the kind of gritty conversation that we have it gives it gives the father a voice doesn't it and that's something that fathers don't tend to have so I think that's really important that you're doing that yeah exactly and and on top of that next March my book comes out and it's called noise a manifesto modernizing motherhood and in fact in the same year I bring out spunk the manifesto modernizing fatherhood so actually one's in march one's in november so i have two books coming out next year which is what people are going to be asking is how in the heck does she do it right i mean let's be honest how are you doing it how is it working how i I know you um i've spoken to you enough and we've done enough interviews to understand you have a ship shape in your house like every you've got a place for everything everyone knows where everything goes there's a lot of order and structure in your house uh, and that definitely contributes to it. Uh, is how else are you managing to do what you're doing? Well, it's one of the things that, that that one of the things that's critical to worth, which is what do I want? So, um, I, I I mean, if you're looking for practical things, that's different. I mean, I have systems like crazy. Um, you know, I systematize everything, and. Not everything. I mean, love's not systematized other than that it's in our heart. You know, I mean, I don't have a kind of, you get 10 minutes today, you get, no, no. But in terms of the smooth running, I see it as a, it's like, it is a system in itself and it's a machine. You put these things, nuts and bolts together and and you oil them. What's the oil that you need? Well, a lot of it is connection. A lot of it is commitment. It's about shared values. It's about what are we all doing as a team? So the family system runs like a, a a corporate system, in fact, in the sense of everyone needs to know what they're bringing. So we we work off strengths, basically. We don't work off weaknesses. If if you know X isn't you know one of the children isn't great at something, it's not their forte. Then I don't say, listen, that's for you to do. How damning can you get? So no, it's like okay, so she's really great at that. How would you like to take ownership of that? So I know recently we we had the conversation about domestic chores and renegotiating how the house, you know, is 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 organized. And that's something that we do have some, you know, I'm happy to to share with your your viewers, you know, and your group, um, you know, how to do that. Because once we audit how our house runs, we can we we can make it better. So we've I've done that, I've tweaked that over the years. And of course, the how can I put this? The the um, configuration of the house changes because sometimes I have five, six, seven children and that, like a team, changes what people can bring. So it's adapt- it's adapting to change constantly. 
Well, and that's one thing that you, it's clear you figured out how to get everybody on the team on board doing their part because you don't actually have outside help, which a lot of people would assume that you do have. Um, and we know uh, there are other women who are quite elevated with also a lot of children, but they have a lot of help. So, you know, in your particular case, you've organized your family in a way that they're helping each other and taking care of things. What I want to shift back to is the earn what you're worth side of things, because obviously what you've been able to do is organize your life in such a way that you can then follow your dreams and chase yeah. your dreams, which are things like launching the books, launching the podcast, um, running your business. Uh, and and what I love about you is that you've never given up on those dreams. Those dreams were were there in the beginning. And, and as the, your family's grown, you've kept you've st held steadfast to those dreams and you've been able to make them make enough money for you to be financially independent. So that doesn't come easily either for a lot of people. So was there a time at any point in your career where you felt like I am not earning what I'm worth and can you pinpoint that moment or that experience with, and then some of the decisions you made to change it? Well, I think this is a really difficult one because for me, because I'm not sure there was ever a time in my career that I felt that I wasn't earning what I was worth. And I, and I go right back, I, I was a business school academic, and I go right back to the time that I had my first, uh, I, I got this amazing job out of my, um, I got a PhD scholarship and a job, an ESRC fellowship that came with it. So that's an economic and Social Research Council, Council job, a, a wonderful opportunity. I was incredibly thrilled to have that. And um, I also then on the back of that was offered this big academic job. And the reason I'm telling you about it is because I was offered my pay. I was offered the rate of the salary. And I did something that was really quite unusual at the time. I gathered, I didn't think it was very ballsy, but it turned out to be. I found out who the previous incumbent in that job was. Uh, and, and I called her and I said, um, so, um, you know, I'd never met her. And I said, I really need your help as a, as a, a, a female academic. She was coming out. She was going to go into law. Um, and I said, look, I, I need your help in a leg up in this job. I've, I've been offered this and here's the salary they're offering me. And she said, oh, well, they're offering you 10 grand, at least less than me. I was like, wow. Oh, <laughs> and and that was because I didn't, I don't speak fluent Mandarin and it was required. Okay. So there was a real skill involved, but I was no longer in this particular project going to be needing Mandarin. So I went back and I said, listen, what I want is exactly what she had. Yeah. And I say it slowly because what I want is critical. So, so many women don't get clear on exactly what they want, not what they're worth, because of course worth, I would really love to talk about worth, um, about, you know, how it's, how it's seen in society a little bit. But nevertheless, I actually steadfastly, and that's a good word, uh, said, I, I want that. That's what I want. Now, you go forward like five years, 10 years, it meant that I was about five points higher on the scale, salary scale, than I ought to have been, yeah? From the get-go, which means that you're setting- From the get-go. Yeah, you're setting up the, so if you, let's just say, if you negotiate 5,000 pounds higher in year one, five to 10 years later, you've actually got 25 to 50,000 extra pounds in your bank account. Totally. And so I, I stood for what I wanted right away. And so I, I always knew that I was comparatively way higher in my salary terms than I ought to have been by my age or experience. But that's because I stood right away. So that's great for me. Yep, I can hear, you know, like I'd be saying, oh, good for you, love. <laughs> you know, I didn't do that. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you know, so what do you do if you don't, you haven't done it? Well, there's never too late. It's never too late. And one of the British things is that we don't talk about what we earn. So if I hadn't broken the rule that, you know, I'll just like take what they offer, I would never have known, never have known that. And so I think unpacking this whole worth thing of, well, and actually saying, so what's your salary? <laughs> what's your salary? Transparency, uh, particularly in corporate terms, because obviously I, I, I live in corporate worlds. It's like, yeah, what, what do you earn? 
and and so I'll I'll have consultants. Um, I talk to consultants about. So what's your day rate? What would you charge for this project? And I'll go. Oh, I charge twenty five k. And I say, why would you do that? What tell me that? Uh, uh, help me understand why you would get to twenty five, whereas I'm getting to fifty two. <laughs> I'm like I've reversed the numbers. <laughs> and yeah. Like, yeah, but what have you got? And I'm like. I've just reversed the number. I've reversed the number. Tell me what has you been 25. And I can remember a very um, interesting conversation a few years ago with a, a, a man, a consultant in the city like myself, same kind of business, uh, um, doesn't have loads of associates, so he's a, a one-man consultant. Fantastic impact. And he was like, no, the market can't take me doing that. I can't risk it. I was like, you're not risking. You haven't got it. Yeah, but I need it, and I was like, "Yeah, but then you can't go up." So I was, so for me, it's 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 really unpacking this this false narrative about, particularly women, what does worth mean, and particularly for women that become mothers or women who are over forty. There's this whole narrative about our worth and our currency begins to decrease so we have to like oh rein ourselves in you know just accept what is given be thankful gratitude is hugely important that's why i said i'm really grateful i'm grateful to that previous person in that role if she had said oh i'm sorry i can't tell you that well you know yeah. What would I have done? I would have found it another way. <laughs> I was on a mission. So it's but like I think there's a critical piece here. So you, so first of all, it's knowing what you want. Second of yes. it all, you did a bit of research, right? Yeah. You did a little bit of research. And then I think the other thing that I'm teasing out of this is that you have to be willing to take the risk that they'll say no. Uh, and you have to know that if it's what you really want and if it's what, um, if it's what you really want and if you've done your research and it feels right, then if they do say no, they weren't the right person for you to work with anyway. And I think that's something that people don't really understand is that, you know, the right customers will come to you and that if you've got the, if you've got the, the belief in your price and you, or your value and you are confident that it's the correct one, then what you're focusing on is finding the right customers who agree with that. You, and you don't focus on the customers who don't agree with that because they're, that, that that's a waste of your time and energy. But it's, it's having the confidence to say that people might say no to this and I'm still going to go forward with it anyway. Well, your customers are the ones that will pay for you. That's who your customers are. They're not the customers yeah. that believe you're of the right value. They're, they're the customers that will pay. And so you do have to be willing for them to say no and then say, okay, so that's not your budget. So, so for instance, there's this whole charade around, uh, around pricing that uh, you go in for many people, they ask you for a proposal, you write a proposal, they don't uh, say what their budget is, you try and punt like, oh, let me, let me get my crystal ball out, think what they might have, what would I maybe like, what would I accept, all this. There is a much easier way to do this, which is, which is completely cross-current, which is, what's your budget? <laughs> I mean, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> I learned, it's yeah. such a great question. And, and what I tell people is, is don't start the conversation with that. Start no. the conversation with like, what do you want? What do you need? Where are you now? Where do you want to be? But at the end, before you give, and I tell women, do not give an hourly rate. Do not give a daily rate. At the end of that conversation, we have a discovery call that we, we teach in our strategies um, strategy module. But I say at the end of that call, or at the end of that discovery call, at the end of that conversation where you've got to where they want to be, you've got to where they're at, and you kind of now know what you have to go back and figure out, that's when you say, and what's your budget? And that's, you know, and that's an important question. And I learned that the hard way, doing exactly what you said, where you kind of go and you guess and then you bring it back to them. And then now you have the car. Because actually, in reality, they have a budget. They of always have, have a budget. budget. They, they always, always have a budget. Have a budget. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always have a budget. And so I learned this the hard way. I, the, uh, a big company bigged up this big project that was going to go on for months. And I thought, wow, okay, we're talking a substantial amount here. Okay, fantastic. Have to bring lots of people in. Great. I put this chunky proposal in. It was an, a number of years ago. <laughs> and, and, and I put it in and they, their jaw dropped. And I said, hey, listen, this is obviously not hit the mark. What's the gap here? Please tell me. And they said, we've got 2,000 pounds. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> like, so you want me to work for 20p an hour? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, so there's been a massive mismatch in understanding language, in expectations, etc. I never did it again. Never. Because I put so much effort into that proposal. The other thing that I see... The effort you put in the proposal was worth the 2000 <laughs> Exactly. And so here's the other thing. Um, particularly women undermine... By the way, I get lots of proposals. Um, because we have, you know, we hire. We, we have, um, I think, maybe quite, quite a team now. Um, and, and we also have um, unsolicited proposals. We get them all the time. We also get lots and lots daily pitches for the for the podcasts. And so I'm seeing the way that people frame their worth. Yeah. And uh, it's very interesting to see that. Now, in the proposals to work with us, I often see people working for free, like literally solving what they think we might need in the proposal. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't provide solutions to show that you are worth something. Because actually, you're literally giving free consulting. And this it, is and where I think case studies are really helpful. If you can, if you can create great. case studies, then you say, well, this is what I, and you don't tell them the how, but you, sell, you say, here's where I started, here's where we ended, yeah. and this is, we were able to deliver on this result, this is the result they wanted. Yes, you don't, you don't go through the, uh, the actual operational piece of it, the, exactly what you did, but you tell them what you delivered exactly as you said. That's totally different than saying, I can see you need this, put this here, do this. Like, oh, <laughs> I mean, also it undermines the, um, it actually undermines your, in a way, professionalism. It just does. It just does. So it's, it's really important because it kind of shows, here's, here's where I'll go just to get this job. So it isn't necessarily confidence. Because I don't believe that I have, I wasn't born with any more of a well of confidence than anybody. I wasn't. I, I have exactly the same, um, uh, you know, insecurities, uh, worries, anxieties, all of that stuff. Uh, human beings are human beings. We all have them. The difference is, is that I just go, okay, so I have these and we'll step forward anyway. Okay, so I've I've decided that that's going to be fifty two thousand, not twenty five. I'm going to put that in. I literally did this my, with that wonderful, very very um, established. Uh, we 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 work in the city. Very we're often up for the same thing. Yeah, um, we used to be. I, actually, we're somewhat bigger now. But the fact is, at, for years, if I was going for a, a pitch, I'll call him Kevin because that's his name. Kevin would be there. I'd be like, oh, Kev. <laughs> Kev, my mate. <laughs> you know, who's going to get this? <laughs> and, and so it was him that said 25K. And so what's the difference? I literally reversed it. Uh, and all that it took was to say, I'm going to punt. I'm going to yeah. go for it. I'm going to put that in. Am I worth more? Uh, well, actually, we are pretty, you know, we're pretty hot. <laughs> and and to be honest it's just that I made a decision I made a decision yeah. and, and, and actually no decision is also a decision you know oh, if, if someone decides you know they're too scared and then they don't go for it well they've made the decision I'm not going to go for it I'm not going to put myself out there and I do think I mean it's very interesting actually because um, we had a board meeting yesterday and we were discussing um, my personal branding and we were discussing, you know, some proposals that we'd received and it was really interesting to watch because we, we, um, we, I won't, I don't want to give all the information away, but what I want to say is that the board said to me, are you sure this is worth it? It's not as much as we would expect it to cost to be really high quality. Now I know how, how quality it is because I know the person who's put through the proposal and I know, I know what an amazing gift, you know, it, it would be to get to work with this person. And it was um, in, in this way, but it was really interesting. The perception from the board, the perception from the investors, when they're looking at this, they're saying, well, don't you need like a, a much higher quote, you know, is it going to be worth it for that? And it was very, very interesting just to watch someone's reaction to a proposal, which I fully understood as being a gift to me and also something that they, I knew they would do a brilliant job on, but externally other people, just because they didn't know all the insides of it felt like, oh, well, you're, this isn't even a deal. It's like, 
is it even good quality? Even though I know it's good quality, even though I know that the person will do an incredible and absolutely incredible job, it was very interesting to watch someone else's perception of something without the insights, insider knowledge. And I do think that, that women um, tend to discount themselves massively to get work. They will do it for free. Uh, one of the big pieces of advice I always tell women is if you're doing work for free, give yourself a time limit. I'm only going to do it for four more weeks or eight more weeks and that's it or two more weeks. Um, but what you do is you you write an invoice for that work. So you do put a price on it. Yes, you do put a price on it. You, you yes. write the invoice and then you do a big line at the bottom that says 100% discount. And so if you've done, and I say, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of hourly rates, but I know that some people still work on that. We actually, when we do contractor rates, we we are moving towards value, but at the moment we're just still doing hourly, partly because no one who works for us works full time. So we want to honor people's time as well so that no one's going, you know, yeah. they're not, you know, there's, 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 there's that limit here. But what I want to say is you send the invoice, let's say you did 20 pounds an hour for, you know, 20 hours. That's four. Is that 400 pounds? I can't, I'm trying to think math really fast. Um, <laughs> if 400 pounds. <laughs> yeah. But what you yeah. do is you then say you send them the invoice for 400 pounds. So let's say you did 100 hours at 20 pounds. That's 2000 pounds. You send them the invoice for 2000, but you give them the 100 percent discount. So take off 2000. And then you've got a track record of how much money you've given away to everybody else. And that also helps you to say, OK, this is how long it takes to do things. This is you know, this is what I and then it starts to give you a concept because a lot of people when they first start, they don't. They'll do a few free projects just to get the case studies, just to get the portfolio. And that's that. The, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is people never make they never figure out how to make the transition from I've done three projects really well. I've got three amazing case studies. Now I'm going to charge what I'm actually worth. And now I'm not going to do these 100 percent discount, you know, but they and what they'll do is like if someone offers an invoice out to do, I don't know, to do a, a, a project. They'll 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 give the discounted price rather than the full price. So even if you're doing even if you're doing a proposal for someone and you're going to build a website for free, you give them an invoice for you know you give them a proposal that says I'm going to give it's going to be a five thousand pounds worth of value, but you're only going to pay you know a thousand because this is my first website. You know you it's it's making sure that the proposal and the 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 invoice are actually you know, give really showing what you're giving them. And also you are recording it because once you've done five contracts and you've knocked 4,000 pounds off, you just realize you've given away 20,000 pounds yeah. and, you know, and that's really hard. And and I know with um the tech pixies course, you know, I mean, whew, gosh, raising the prices on that was very nerve wracking for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's always been hard and, and, and actually, well, and it, not anymore. It's not anymore. It's not hard anymore. When I used to um, raise the prices, I, it, I would like break out in a cold sweat. Um, you know, I had the one of the books that I loved was Fear is Not the Boss of You. I listened to that one the weekend that I was thinking about raising the prices. Yeah. In fact, I raised the prices during the coronavirus and that I almost backed down. I almost went back to my old prices. And at the end of the day, we we sold the same number of courses, right? Because what people don't understand is marketing is a numbers game. So if you're listening to this and you're multitasking, come back to me and Danusha because marketing is a numbers game. Yep. It depends on the number of leads you've got. And then it depends on your sales funnel and it depends on all the, you know, all your emails and all that other stuff. But, but the conversion rate at different prices tends to be the same as long as you've got the right people in the system. And so what was very interesting for me was when we did raise the prices, it, we didn't actually lose people, we gained people. And I think that's yeah. partly because people perceive the value higher and we were still underpriced, you know, we were still not charging what we were worth. I still wasn't. And it, it took a long time to get there. And I think now we're, we're getting very close to where, where we feel it, it, it's about right. But it, if you focus on what someone's, uh, what you perceive someone being willing to pay, and what versus versus what you know you can give them yes. the transformation you can give a company or a person if you focus on that it's a lot easier but i know this is difficult for a lot of women well it's also because i mean there's so much that you've mentioned i mean you know the psychology of of when a when a figure comes in too low is powerful of course it is it's like oh so you effectively don't value yourself 
more than that. That's where you're pitching your currency. It's a currency. It's how I perceive myself. Now, as we know, I've already said, I work in a very specific context. I work in boardrooms. If I go in with tiny fees, then they're gonna go, what's she doing? Can she do anything for us? It's a very high octane context, okay? So for me, it was obvious, but even that, I've kind of had to work with myself around, is this big enough? Is this? Um, you know, and, 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 and work with CEOs and say, what did you think? I have had CEOs go, are you kidding? Like, that's extortionate. That's a, that's a phrase. So there's an internal ceiling inside ourselves, and you're talking to it, which is test it with yourself. When you go, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to charge, you talked about an hourly rate, 20 an hour. Okay, yeah. How does that feel? Yeah, I could do that. 40 an hour. Oh, okay. Not too bad. 80 an hour. Oh, no. 200 an hour. You know, like this. Take yourself up and up. Where is yours? And yours will be different. Mine's different. But you have to go, st we have to do that little internal marker so that we can go, oh my God, where do I want to run to the loo and be sick? Where mm. And that's actually when I reversed literally Kevin's 25 and put the proposal in for 52,000. And it was a number of years ago, HMRC. You already know about it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because because one of the one of the one of the unspokens in this world of online entrepreneurship, I'm not, you know, School for Mothers is, but my main big core business revenue generating is actually off its in companies, you know, is the fact that obviously there's a massive amount of tax and, and you know, you have to actually declare all this. So if you're going online, you might as well say, yep, paid a lot of tax. Well, I tell you what, our tax bill for our next uh, our next VAT bill, it's more than I the, the bill itself is more than I made in an entire year a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and it's so funny. And the thing about taxes, actually, and this is the blessing, be grateful. Be grateful you have to pay tax because if you have to pay tax, that means you're making money, right? Exactly. So paying tax is totally okay. You're making money, right? Yeah. And so you have to be really thankful for that. Although it did crack me up. I thought, I can't believe I'm sending a check off to the government for more than I made in an entire year a couple of years ago. But what exactly. I think... But what I think is, is important is to acknowledge that that's part of moving up the ladder as well. It is. And I know businesswomen who don't want to earn a certain amount because they don't want to vote register and they don't want to pay tax. And I have, I, I, you know, it, it's, an, it's an interesting problem to have. It's like, actually, if you're really going to make this successful, depend, work out what's success for you. And that's why I'm talking about that internal ceiling of where do you really run going... Joy, Danusha, I couldn't do it. I, I could not. I want to go back to that exercise, though. That is such a good exercise to just keep going up the price ladder until you feel like I absolutely, sick. yeah, until you feel sick. And are you saying, sick. are you saying that that's the price when you hit that point, that that's the price you actually go for? Or what? what? Well, let's go back to that 52,000. Um, it is a bank. It is a bank that you'll all know. And I was going to put, he was like, you've got to put 25,000 in. You've got to, you'll never get this. The market won't take it. No one will say yes to yours. And, and I had a wonderful coffee shop friend. I'm called Alan, Uncle Alan. Um, he's not my uncle at all, but Uncle Alan, <laughs> you know, he's like this in his 70s. I'd have a cup of coffee with him. And one day I shared this with him. And I said, look, Uncle Alan, what would you do? I'm going to do this proposal and it's for... And I've been told it's 25,000. He's like, hmm, yeah. And he said, where do you feel awful? Because I'd already taught him about my awful, like, sickness exercise. And he said, do you feel excited by 25? I was like, no way do I feel excited. <laughs> oh, it's like 30. No, we got to 50. And I went, I couldn't put that in. He's already told me. He said, okay, it's 52 then. I got up to 50 and um, I felt sick. I literally felt sick and I said, I can't do that. And he said, okay, so where do you feel able? 40, I was like, no, that's not exciting. I want to grow as a businesswoman. I want to be so, you know, I knew if I didn't do this, I wasn't uh, pushing my edges. And if I reached that, 
if I reached that, I couldn't go back. Once you've pushed your arm, your your boundary out, you can't come back. Yeah. So that's for if sure. I were able to go there, if they said yes, if they go, then I would be there. And actually, if they'd said no, that doesn't say anything but the fact that you were brave and you went for it. Yeah, and they would have come back to me and said, that's beyond our budget. Try again. Because <laughs> they already had said, we really want you and your company. I would have said, okay, cool. Help me out with your budget. Help me out. Because we hadn't had that conversation, the budget conversation. Actually, we didn't need it. They were like, just tell us the price. In that, in that particular negotiation, it was just tell us the price. It's also a massive business. Okay, it's a huge corporate. Um, you know, they're not saying it will be two grand. So um, 24 hours later, they, I actually had a call uh, from, um, you know, a, a, an HRD, which I don't normally work with, actually. But she called me and she said, I remember it now. I was in, on the motorway with my kids in the back. And she said, fantastic. When can we start? <laughs> I was like, oh, as soon as, you know, of course I didn't scream. I wanted You're to going scream. like this. Yes. I had to keep on the road, Joy. <laughs> I, had I, was, a, I know, but I had a very similar situation. I mean, this is when I was raising money, but I had someone who had helped me set up the, set up the pitch. You know, she came yeah. into my house and I did a practice pitch with her and then she gave me some suggestions and then I um, practiced it again. And then I applied her suggestions and she came to the real pitch. And I remember when she, she called me and she said, I just want to, cause we were, she was originally thinking about um, possibly a lower amount for investment. And I remember when she called me, she said, um, would you be adverse to me being one of your bigger investors and like on the <laughs> higher level? And I was like, you know, I was so excited. I was like, if I could come through the phone and hug you, I would, because there's something really special that happens when someone sees your value and they pay your value, right? You, like you just said, you get excited about it and you go, you know, and, and I think that's the thing. If you never put yourself out there and if you never go for those prices, you don't get to have that feeling because you don't get to know whether or not they're going to say yes. Exactly. And, and so from there, um, it, of course, that's your new platform. So your new platform can't go beneath of course it can if you decide to, for instance, I, I could work with a charity and say, listen, I'm going to discount by, you know, 75% or 100 Of course, that can happen. But it's in my behest. It's not because I'm feeling like I'm scratching around trying to convince them that I'm worthy or my company can deliver. Now, to, it also has to be on the back of some evidence. It's really, you know, it would be really... Yeah, you, right. You can't just make up a price and say... No. <laughs> you can't just say, I think I want to be, you know, um, 5,000 a day. Or, yeah. you know, I, I'm just going to do that because I want, I'm worth it. It's not that kind of... So how do you worth. get to that? That's a great point. Yeah, you know, so it's, we go back to those case studies. So you build a reputation. So in, in social media management terms, for instance, or digital terms, it might be that you do go get some really solid case studies and you yeah. work on those and you work more on the case studies than on the, um, uh, how can I put it? The kind of chatting conceptually about what we might do. Right. I, no, you. I love that. The case studies are so key. This is what we did. This is what the results were. And you don't have to break it all down. But, you know, I think that we used to do that with websites. We used to, we used to, cause we used to, be, I used to build charity websites. And so when I would, when I, towards the end, when I was wrapping everything up, but what I, we, we, we finally said, we're not doing any websites below a certain price. Like we put a bottom, you know, floor on our prices. Yeah. We weren't going to go below. But the other thing we did was we had one page summaries of all the different charities we'd worked for and the benefits that they've gotten out of their new website. Um, you know, like uh, we used to build charity websites. So um, on, uh, volunteer forms being automatically filled out, not having to be on paper. You know, that was a huge mm -hmm. benefit, you know, that we could give charities. Yeah, cool. Another huge benefit we could give charities was um, a clear pathway between the person who was using the charity's um, services, the person who wanted to volunteer, and the person who wanted to donate money. They had once once you got to the website, you got to pick which one I'm gonna go, which one am I, and then you had a very customized experience based on whether you were a service user, a volunteer, or donor. 
And you know, we can we could we could show that in the case studies, and we could and we could include quotes from the um, people we built the the websites for, uh, talking about how you know the website had become an employee for them, and you know because they were no longer having to process paper applications, and you know all the data was there, and so it was really it's really helpful to have that, and you only need a couple really good ones and and yeah. some evidence that you've been able to do deliver. Um, and, you know, and I just saw another thing the other day where um, someone posted a, uh, they were, it was about sales pages and they were showing, here's what this, this person's sales page looked like before our training. And here's what their sales page yeah. looked like after our training. You could see immediately the difference in the way the sales pages looked, but then they also had um, the conversion rates. Uh, so here's what the conversion rate on the sales page was before. And here's the conversion rate Amazing. on the sales page after. And that's yeah. not showing you how it's just showing you the difference between when I started working with this person and when I didn't. And so if you're a social media manager and you're listening to this, one of the things you can do is you can take screenshots before you start working with the, like on day one, you take screenshots of everything that they look like the way that the accounts look when you start with them. And then at the end of month one, month two, month three, month four, you then you then screen grab the, the, the difference. So you're showing visually uh, how things have changed and you're showing the difference in let's say an Instagram feed before and after but also in the following size before and after and you can really demonstrate visually that you've you've been able to affect a change and then you have a positive feedback from the person who you worked with and it kind of brings it all together and one page is all you need one beautiful page that's you know for each case study and then you build those up over time and you can put them up on your website because that gives you social proof doesn't it yeah, of course. And and so it's always to be adapting to the environment that you're working in. So for your for social media managers, absolutely. That evidence is is critical. I, I'm you know, I've been in a probably now four, five, six rounds of social media management hirings. And we, you know, all around the world. Actually, it's really interesting how people do it um, very differently. And it's uh, and proposals matter. Proposals, the way that the proposal is put together really matters, I would say. And we write proposals, so it's very difficult. We're like, oh, um, wow. Um, re rehashing what somebody's told you isn't a proposal. It's, it's your understanding of the situation that the potential client has. So really demonstrating, oh my goodness, this, this potential employee, a freelancer, really gets where we are. Um, and we'll add value because it's all about, it's not cultural fit, it's cultural ad, isn't it? Yeah. You need yeah. ad. And and so um, that that's really, really important. I want to come back to one point that you said right at the beginning. And you talked about independent, being independent financially. And I really want to speak to the, the um, unrealistic, um, the unrealistic proposition that that might be for single mothers. Yes. And, and, you know, I just want to bring this down a notch. So as much as this is high octane and, you know, because of, certainly because of the environment that I work, um, although obviously my podcasting, I mean, that's not high octane. That's, you know, I started out in my bedroom. Um, it, not at all, you know. So, but this, this idea that we can be financially independent, whether it's from, um, you know, whether it's dependent on a partner, um, or whether it's in fact um, independence from the government, the the um, work in this country doesn't necessarily make it easy for women who are single parents to actually not have to. I mean, if you think about the educational hours, I mean, how are you going to find a a a, a good enough paying role that you can mm -hmm. do from nine o five if you've got work, you know, school aged children to 10 to 3 when you have to go and get them. I mean, let's just be realistic about this. And I and yeah. I I really want to to just land that because I think quite a few women feel like they've they've failed because they still need um you know what was once tax credits or they need some support of some kind. You know, I have um, a disabled, uh, some disabled children. I say some, it's like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> um, I, you know, I have one who's disabled and uh, another that was recently diagnosed with something that does actually um, technically make her disabled as well. So that's why I tripped over that, but definitely one. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the reality of raising 
um, disabled children uh, and, and even homeschooling children who can't fit in this system means mm -hmm. that actually our ability to go out, hustle, do the things that, you know, um, lots of people have been told to go do is actually hampered. So I, I really want to offer some compassion to people because it isn't as simple as, you know, set some um, FU kind of worth thing and just go do it, send in a proposal, do some... It, it's a, somewhat more nuanced than this. It really is. And so be really gentle on yourself and don't undersell yourself because self-employed women earn 43% less than self-employed men. It's 43% less. So when you think about Kevin, Kevin, who asked me to put 25k in, and he, he does know what we charge, and he's gobsmacked, um, because he stayed, it isn't always that men earn more, but it is typical, pretty typical. Well, I think that's really great advice. And I think it is. And we do have a lot of women who are single parents. We do also have scholarships for women on universal credit, PIP and ESA. So we have quite a large contingent of women who are homeschooling children who cannot be in the regular school system and who also have disabilities. So I'm very familiar with that um, with that situation. Yeah. What I do find, though, is if women can get support um, through coaching and through education like at Tech Pixies, we do find that their self-worth increases. Oh, of course. That their, of course. You know, the, their ability to charge more increases. Mm. So I think one of the things that I would say is if you are a single mom or you are a mom raising a child with a disability is, like Danusha said, give yourself a bit of grace, first and foremost. You're not in an easy situation. But then second of all, realize that women in that same situation have been able to rise above it. And they've done that by educating themselves, yeah. by bringing, by surrounding themselves by women, um, you know, who have done it. And part of the reason I wanted to do this interview is you are a single mom of 10 children who has done it. And I wanted that to be an inspiration for people. And I know it's easy for some people to say, well, you know, there's, a, she's in a really, you know, she's in, she can charge 52,000, blah, blah, blah. But actually, that was a choice you made. You said, I'm going to go and work in corporate boardrooms because i that's what I'm interested in. That's what I love. That's what I want, right? Go back to what you want. That's what you wanted to do. So if, if you are a single mom or you are a mom that's looking after children with a disability, don't forget, there's still an element of what do you want? What do you want? And yes. and it might not be the boardroom. It might be something else. But what Danusha is saying, and this is for true for every woman, is that chances are you're not charging what you're worth. And chances are you need to double your rates just to even get to the point where you're charging what you're worth. Um, but it's uh, but I love the exercise of working up the ladder of prices until you feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to throw up because this is so intense. Right. So there's so many good nuggets here. Um, but but really, I, I agree with you to give to that. It's a, that it's a more difficult situation. Situation. However, I've seen transformation in the women that we've worked with, and you are a perfect example. And as is J.K. Rowling, you know, of people who have overcome um, their circumstances and actually been better off for it. So, I think it is. It also comes down to the way that you look at problems. If you see a problem as an opportunity, or you see a problem as a as a barrier, um, because I think you, Danusha, probably without realizing it, you see problems as opportunities. And well, I, I, I turn shit into gold. I mean, you know, it, it's it's not. It, it, I definitely do. I, you know, I, I problems come my way. I I do realize it. I realize that my life has been littered with obstacles, and you know, I I mean, having having triplets, I wouldn't call them an obstacle, but they were certainly a challenge. And uh, you know, as as a last baby, to suddenly have these wonderful um, little people just at a time when I had great, big, amazing um, mission for my business and myself. And and that's not to say that they were unwanted, by the way. They were. They were very planned. Well, one was, but two came along as bouncers. And, uh, you know, they're amazing children. And, my gosh, just to use that as one example, um, yeah. actually my business and School for Mothers has been born you know, that the trajectory has, has exponentially grown since I had triplets. I'm, I became a single mother while I was pregnant with triplets. So, you know, it's, it isn't that, 
I, I wanted to remind women about the financial piece. This isn't an overnight thing. This doesn't, oh, I'll wake up and just double my figures. That's unrealistic. I really mean this. If anyone wants to get in touch with me to do the ceiling exercise of where you feel sick, I will confidentially do that with you. This is not a, this is not some um, veiled sales pitch. Nah. I will help you find that place that you think, <laughs> I just, just don't make me do it, Danusha. Don't make me do that. I will help you do that. But the bottom line is, I didn't do that without any equipment, being equipped to do it. You have to get some pieces in place, but you also have to know where you're, where you're aiming for. And that's that place of sickness. <laughs> but here, but can we just talk about this? Once you get over, the, and I'm, I had the same thing. I'm, I kid you not. I went. I felt. I, um, I, I binge watched the or binge listened to this book over the weekend. The, the um, the one about um, you know, fear is not the boss of you. I binge listened to it, and I, I had to have a co a serious coaching call. And I just, I just remember my whole body just kind of going, like I can't believe I'm gonna do this, especially in the environment it was where people were losing jobs and everything else. I felt like even worse raising the prices but I I felt like it was in my core of core I felt like it was the right thing to do and yeah. it just but I remember that sick feeling but here's the thing once you get over the sick feeling and 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 you put it out there anyway despite feeling sick and yeah. then you actually have someone buy I mean I remember the first person who bought at the new price and I was just like oh it's going to sell at this price. And then after that, it was just a totally different ball game. After that, it was, it was like, and then I was like, why was I ever charging it lower? Why was I ever? Because the thing is, is I know, I know the value of our course. I, and actually the sad thing for me, and that's not really that sad, but I, it took, it's taken me five years to get to a place where we're actually, we're pricing it where we should have priced it five years ago, you know? And I think about the, I think about the very first cohort and the, the success rate we had with the first cohort. And then the success rate we had with the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh and the eighth. It wasn't until the 21st cohort that I actually said, let's like, let's maybe tweak the prices because we've got a lot of, it's like, when do you have enough success stories, right? If you've got two or three success stories, you've got enough success stories, right? You've got enough credibility to move forwards with something. So I just, um, I think this is such an important conversation, which is why I've been stuck in this conversation for an entire month, you know, about earning what you're worth because women are not earning what they're worth. And if they want to move up the financial ladder, if they want to move into financial independence, they've got to have, they've got to get through that sick feeling. They've got to put it out there and then they've got to actually see what happens. And you're right. There's a lot of other elements. You've got to actually have, you know, a, a, a good, yeah, you've got to have substance to your proposal. You've got to have, you know, you've got to actually have a, um, a something to offer someone. You've got to have some experience having done it. Uh, and we gave you some tips about how to get started when you don't have experience to get that experience, you know, like invoicing, Yep. And then giving the full discount just so that you get two or three under your belt. But you also know the value of those two or three. You know what you've given away. So um, this has been a very fruitful conversation. I know a lot of people have really enjoyed it. So where do people find you, Danusha? Well, you can find me at danushamelinadurban.com. That's one. Uh, you know, rolls off the tongue, obviously. Or you can find me at schoolformothers.com. I've got a great Facebook group. I'm thrilled you're in it. Um, at School for Mothers in Facebook. Um, really engaged and you can also you know listen to amazing amazing women on the podcast I mean we've uh, you know I'm 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 privileged again uh, to be interviewing remarkably successful women from all around the world I'm it's a very diverse um, diverse podcast and that's one of our values so um, yeah you can find me there and you've hit a million downloads. We should give you a huge congratulations for that. That's just absolutely outstanding. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. It's been a blast. Yeah. <laughs> Sending you big love. <laughs>